are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Who are you? You know, identity theft is getting more and more prevalent in our society. I remember my family went to Salmonar in BC and I received a phone call from the credit card company saying, you know what, we've canceled your credit card because there was a whole bunch of payments that were made that I didn't make. And they said, you know what, somebody has stolen your card. Somebody has got your identity. And I said, well, how did that happen? They're like, well, we don't know. There's many ways that it could happen, but you just feel violated. How many people have had their credit card stolen or had to, you know, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And you feel violated. And as you really think about that, I, was, I, I saw this, this little show that showed some guy with a little iPad. And if he just walks up and he started asking people for directions, and the, by the time he left, the iPad had people's credit card information on it. And it's just... It's amazing how fast it could happen. And as I was really thinking about this and pondering this, I'm like, how often does that happen in the spiritual realms? See, if we can get our mind off of something that is really important, if all of a sudden the enemy can just start to put some little seeds in there and we start to focus on something that is not the Lord, it is so easy that we forget that we're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's so easy to forget that when Jesus died on the cross and gave us access to the heavenlies, all of a sudden fear comes in there and we're like, how can I do this, Lord? I'm losing the battle. And God is like, no, you're not. I have equipped you with everything that you have to be able to gain heaven and earth and to be able to be successful here in life. Who are you? Is it what you do for a living, maybe? That's That's the North American question, isn't it? Hey, how are you doing? So what do you do for a living? And I, 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 here's a little, little secret about me that I'm going to tell you. But raise your right hand. I will not let this go out of this room. All right? I love getting massages. Oh, my. There's nothing wrong with that. That's right. There's just, there's just something about massages that just make you feel like it's going to be an okay day. But have you ever noticed that when you get a massage, they give you a little paper to fill out first? Where has it been hurting? What's happening? This kind of thing. And there's on that paper every single time a question. What do you do for a living? And you know what? What I put on that question every time now? Well, I'm an international spy. <laughs> and there's a reason for it. I used to write down there, I'm a pastor. And then one day I was in Edmonton, and I wrote down I'm a pastor, and I go in for a massage, and the, the gal starts working on me and giving me a massage. I'm just like, just get in that place where it's just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when all of a sudden she says, so I see that you're a pastor. I said, yes. And then she starts to tell me about some issues that are happening in her life, and she starts crying. And I'm, I'm feeling bad because, you know, I'm a pastor. So she tells me about what's going on in her life. And I start, I'm praying with her in this massage room with no clothes on. And, <laughs> and, and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. And then by the time she was finished, she charged me $65 for a counseling session. <laughs> Who are you? What do you do? Perhaps it's finances that 
determine who we are, or for some, maybe lack thereof. As a believer of Christ, it's so easy to get our eyes off of what is truly important. For we live in a culture where success is defined as what you've accomplished, what car you drive, or what part of town you live in. We can lose sight of what truly is important, the whole reason why we're put here on this world. And today we're launching a new series called Stolen Identity to remind us in Coal Lake who we are and what our purpose is. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity as a son to be able to come before your throne room of grace. And Lord, as we're stepping into this new series on stolen identity, Holy Spirit, would you just hover over this place? And God, if we have believed lies in the past and we've identified with specific issues that are hindering our growth, would you reveal that to us and release the truth right now in Jesus' name? Because Lord, we were bought with a price. And God, you're absolutely crazy about us. And Lord, I just pray that deep in our heart of hearts that God, we'd be able to stand in there and say, I am a son and daughter of the Lord's. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. First of all, the Lord has plans and purposes for us all. In fact, we all know a scripture. It's on our fridges, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're plans for good and not for harm, to give you a future and a hope. My friends, the Lord is the real deal. He gives us inspiration and spurns us on to fulfill our destinies. But the enemy, he doesn't want us to fulfill our destinies. So he drops seeds into our heads, seeds of temptation that lead to guilt and lead to shame. His goal is to take our eyes off of the all-knowing, all-loving Father and start to focus inward on our insecurities and our failures. To kick off our series on stolen identity, we need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt who we are in Christ. And for that this morning, open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll start in verse 9 this morning. It says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. See, this text here has five keys in it this morning that we're going to look at. Five keys that each one of us need to know in our own personal lives. And the first one is that you are a chosen people. Isn't that awesome? Ephesians 1.4 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. That means that you were handpicked by the Lord. You know, in a crowd this size, everyone has a different upbringing and everyone has had different circumstances that molded you into the adult that you are today. Some of us, that whole schoolyard pick in gym was a terrible thing. You know, they would line you all up, and then all of a sudden they'd start to pick, okay, you're, you're a captain, you're a captain. They would go through, I picked this person, I picked this person. And you just start to look down on the ground, start to kick the dirt and say, oh, not last. Not today, God, not last. And all of a sudden, when it's, light, when it's the last person, the person who gets you says something like this, well, I guess I'll take, I guess I'll take Lance. I guess I'll take Ernie. And you know 
that you're not an asset to the team, but you're a hindrance. And you go out and play the sport. Good luck with that. And other people in here, you're picked first. You were just athletic. You were good at that. You loved it. How many people were picked first and just loved sports, loved that kind of thing? Let me see your hands. Ernie, yeah, great. <laughs> Anybody else were picked first? Yeah? I think every one of you have to stand and, and repent this morning to me. I, I mean to, to others who perhaps were, were chosen last. But regardless of the order that you were picked, you have been handpicked by God. Man. Often we try and gain acceptance by chasing after it, striving for it through the avenue of performance. But today, I want us to stop and realize that it's a free gift with no strings attached. I wonder if we become so desensitized to free because we know that when that phone rings and we hear somebody on the other end saying, congratulations, you've won a trip, we just hang up because we always know there's a string attached. 1 John 4, 18 to 19 says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for our fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Yet more than often, we allow past experiences to mold us instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Have you experienced that trial in love where all of a sudden you're just like, I just don't know if I make the cut? I remember when, when Cindy and I were dating. I was in Bible college and I, I just didn't have any money and, and I couldn't afford a ring. And my father said, you know what, Lance? He goes, he wasn't really a guy who would get into our, into our business. But he says, Lance, I don't know what you're thinking about this girl but I think she's pretty special. And he says, if you want, I'm going to give you Grandpa Steve's diamond, and you can put it into a ring, and it's yours if you want to marry this girl. He goes, but I'm not pushing. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just like, wow. So Cindy didn't see it coming. And see, when we were dating, I'd always say to Cindy, as we were, we were dating for about a year, I would always say, you know those things that people say when they're just in that puppy love stage? I'd be like, if I said to you today, would you marry me? What would you say? And she'd say, I'd say yes. How cute. So I had it all planned out. She came down to Ontario. She met my folks. And I wanted, I had it in a fortune cookie that said, will you marry me? And I wouldn't take her to Niagara Falls, to one of the seven wonders in the world, and and I was going to give her this fortune cookie, and I would read my fortune, and she would read her fortune, and I would get down on my knee and hand her the ring, and I would say, would you marry me? And she would say, yes. But it didn't work out that way. <laughs> See, we stopped first at a restaurant for supper, just outside of Niagara Falls. And I was so excited to be able to get there and be able to ask this girl, will you be mine forever? And we went there and we ordered a meal and we had great. And I gave her a rose at the table and I said, one day you'll be mine, you'll be mine. And she, she didn't see it coming. And then all of a sudden we were done our meal and we were ready to go and that ring was burning a hole in my pocket. I couldn't wait for it to happen, but... 
that restaurant wasn't the right place. It had to be in front of the falls. So I said, come on. The, the waiter came by. He says, is there anything else you guys would like? I said, no, just a check, please. And she goes, actually, I'd like a cup of coffee. Uh, and I said, you know what? Why, why don't we get a coffee on the way? You know, we're just like, let's just go. Let's just go to the falls. And she's like, no, no, I, I really want a coffee. He's like, well, come on. We'll, we'll, we'll get a coffee afterwards. Let's just go. Come on, let's just go. And she goes, fine, we'll go. Now, guys, how many people know that's not good? So we're driving the rest of the way to Niagara Falls, and she is not saying a word. She is fuming. And I look at her, and I'm like, okay, I got to today's the day. This is the only day I can do this. We're flying back to Alberta. I got I to gotta get this done. I've already asked her dad, and they're going to be calling her and saying, so what did you say? You know, and this is all going through my mind. And I turned to her in the car, and I said, if I said today, would you marry me? What would you say? And she says, I don't know. I don't know if you're the right guy for me or not. I'm like, great. And all of a sudden, I just felt like I didn't measure up. Now, for those who don't know, sometimes I just leave a story and people are like, what happened? She did say yes. She did marry me. She felt awful about it. I felt awful about it. Never forget the coffee. Coffee is still a birthright issue in my life. But in saying that, every single one of us in here can think of a time where all of a sudden we put our love on some kind of a measurable scale and we failed. And if that's what we think love is, we don't understand perfect love. And the Lord wants you to know before you leave here, I love you, not for what you can do for me, not for what you've accomplished or what you're going to accomplish. I love you, period. I chose you. You were handpicked by God. And he's crazy about you. The next thing in this verse is you are royal priests. We are royal priests. Romans 8 says in verse 14, for all of you who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. That's great news for us. Not only have we been chosen, but we are now royal priests. We're of a royal lineage. There was a time when only the priest would have access to God. But that is gone now that Jesus died and the veil was torn and we were able to cross over in that place to stand before an all-holy God. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb who made access for us to be able to obtain a Savior, to be able to walk in relationship with Savior. You are a priest. We can walk in that place and just say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need you this day. God, walk with me today. Fill me with your presence. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6 says, it's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. 
This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Have you messed up in the past? Do you think you don't qualify for this position? How many in this room have kids? How many people, when their kids do something that is wrong, they just make a mistake? You just, you know what? You're just like, I don't love you anymore. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Wow, not one hand. Why? Because that's crazy. We love our kids crazy. We love them so much, and you know what? We know they're going to make mistakes, but that love covers our children, doesn't it? And if our love from imperfect people can be passed down to our children, then how much more can the love of the Father pass down upon us, which is perfect love? It's awesome. And that's how much he cares for you. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? See, I absolutely love that story. And sometimes it's hard to really wrap our heads around that whole story. Because here is a son who goes up to the father and says, you know what? I'm done. I'm done being a son. I want my money. I want my inheritance. And I want it now. And the father kindly gives it to him. And then the son goes off and he parties and he does all that kind of stuff. He lives life to the fullest and a famine hits the land. And when the famine hits the land, he starts to run out of money. He runs out of friends and he gets to the place where he's feeding pigs and eating the stuff that he's given the pigs, the stalks. And he starts to think, you know what? I had it so good. Maybe, just maybe if I go home, that my dad, I know I'm not his son anymore, but maybe he'll hire me. He gives his servants meals. So he starts his journey home, and I can just see this young man practicing over and over and over in his head. Father, Father, I've, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against heaven. If you'll just forgive me, I'd, I'd just like to come and work for you. Okay, let, let me practice this again. And he works over it over and over and over. And he gets closer and closer and closer until he knows the land. He knows the surroundings. He's back on his property. He knows where the house is. He's getting closer and closer. And the butterflies are coming up. And he's getting nervous. What happens if my dad pulls out the gun with rock salt and says, get off my property? What happens if this kind of stuff and fear starts to go over there and he stops? He's like, I don't know if I can do it. And then he rehearses over and over. Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Would you, would you take me as, as your servant? Would you do this? And he just starts to go over and over again. And then all of a sudden, he gets to that place where his father sees him. And in verse 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring. Place it on his finger. And sandals. Put them on his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost but now he's found. So the party begins. That's you. That's us. We are royal priests. 
He has placed the ring upon your fingers. He has put the robe around your neck and the sandals on your shoes. We don't deserve it. Yet through grace, God freely gives it to his children. Doesn't that blow you away? See, that's who you are. That's who God says you are. So when all of a sudden you start to think, you know what, I'm just, man, I just keep making so many mistakes. God's got to be so mad at me. You know what, man, I'm just junk. God don't make junk. He's crazy about you. But see, the deceiver wants us to take our eyes off of what is important. And he whispers lies generational lies lies that he know is going to get you and we start to that seed is planted and the bible tells us to take captive of every thought and make it subjective to christ but sometimes we just allow that to ponder in our mind and we just start to think about it and that seed then starts to make roots and then all of a sudden we formed a belief in our life and when we believe something that is completely false we're walking on thin ice because we're walking on false beliefs the truth of the matter is, God loves you. God is our Father, and you are of a royal lineage. You are a priest this morning. You are a saint of God. The next one here is a comma. A comma shows us that the thought is continuing. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation. We are the people of God. As the people of God, each one of us in this room have great value. What deems value? If I told you that my home in Coal Lake is worth, nine, it was worth $1 million, and I believe that, I'm like, you know what? My home is worth $1 million. I could say whatever I want, and I could go around telling whoever I want what my home is worth, but unless somebody is willing to write me a check for $1 million, it's not worth $1 million. So if all of a sudden time comes for me to sell my house and I put it on the market for 999999 because that's not a million and it would trick people, <laughs> then all of a sudden the, it sits there and it doesn't move in the market. Why? Because it's not worth a million dollars. Another thing that deems value is not only what people will pay for it, is who is the previous owner of it. I just came up with some interesting statistics here. In 2014, Willie Nelson's braids sold at an auction for $37,000. Braids, his hair braids. In 2011, Ellen DeGeneres took a lock of hair from Canada's own Justin Bieber, and that sold at auction for $40,668. But that's still not the top. You ready for the king, Elvis Presley? The king himself, Elvis Presley's hair, sold at an auction in 2002 for $115,000 for a lock of the king's hair. So we're in a building project. We want to be able to uh, build this healing center and see that happen. And I figured that, you know what, my hair is probably worth more than Willie's. But it's definitely not worth the king's. So... You know, if Justin Beaver sold at $40,000, i am figuring mine's worth about $70,000. We're going to start the auction right now. $70,000, and I'm going to cut a piece of my hair. All money will go to the building fund. 
Have I got a seventy thousand dollars, seventy, seventy, seventy thousand, seventy thousand, seventy thousand? Do I have a? Why is no one bidding? Because my hair is not stardom. All of a sudden, you put. I just bought a lock of Pastor Lance's hair for seventy grand. People say who? What you do that for? Because it's not worth what Elvis's hair is. It's not worth what Justin Bieber's hair is worth. And it's not even worth what Willie's is worth, is it? Why, um, we are God's people. And the price that was paid for us is far greater than money. Jesus Christ paid for each one of us in this room for his, with his life. Isn't that absolutely sobering? Who owns you? What was paid for you? The Bible says that you've been bought and paid for by Christ. So you belong to him. Be free now from all these earthly prides and fears. That's found in 1 Corinthians 7, 23. The next key that I see in this scripture is you are God's people. God is not ashamed of you. His love for you is everlasting. Jeremiah 31.3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. There is so much freedom in knowing that God's love for you is completely unconditional. Knowing that the creator of the universe has got your back. God's love, that is his character. In fact, if God wasn't love, do you know we as humans would never know what love is? Psalms 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and faithfulness continues to each generation. Again, there's a counterfeit, isn't it? He whispers into your ear, If God loved you, then why are you going through what you're going through right now? If God really loved you, then why all of a sudden you are struggling? Why all of a sudden is this bad thing happening? You know what? The Bible tells us that we're going to share in the suffering of Christ. And that's something that we don't like to talk about because we want to talk about good things. But the Bible also says that he'll never leave us and forsake us. He was always with you. And that we can take to the bank knowing that God the Father is going with us. Sometimes difficult times come to families. Sometimes things come that it's just like, I just don't understand. And I'm just so excited this morning. I got a special guest with me this morning. My baby sister from Edmonton and my mom. And I've asked my baby sister to come up and help me preach this morning. So preach it, sis. Uh, some of you know me and know the journey that I've been on this year. The journey really started when it was flip over from 2014 to 2015. I was in worship and I just was like, God, I just feel like there's a wall that I've built a wall up and I just feel like I know you love me. I, I read the word, I know how much you love me, but I've created this wall and I don't, I don't know how to break through it. And because I am not receiving your love, I feel like I can't give love because I don't know. So I said, God, like this year, 2015, could it be a year where I just 
really know your love, that your love just penetrates me and that I know your love and that in return I can give your love when I look at people, I can look at them with your eyes. So that was kind of 2015. <laughs> so as I um, started with 2015, I had been in a lot of pain. My back was super painful from October of 2014 and I kind of just diagnosed myself, oh, you've got sciatica, you'll be fine. So it was running down both of my legs and time went on and I came up here for Christmas and I spent some time with Terry and Joanne and I was trying to just manage the pain so I was just taking Tylenols and whatever and so anyways when I got home I thought I better go to the doctor see like it's not any better it started in October so I went to the doctor and uh, he said well that's really odd so he said I'll send you for an x-ray we'll see what's wrong with you <laughs> okay so I went for an x-ray and came back. He said, you have mild arthritis. And I thought, mild arthritis? Like, I thought I was pain tolerant. And here I am, I'm a wimp. And I thought, okay. So he said, I'm going to send you for cortisone shots, and then you will be good, golden. You'll be fine. So I said, okay. So I went for cortisone shots. You go one week, get one side done. One week, get the other side done. So he said, wait a month. If it doesn't work, come back. So I waited a month, and I was in so much pain. So I went back and he said, well, that's weird. Okay, well, we're gonna send you for a CT. Okay, so I went for a CT scan and when it came back, he said, you have something called hemangioma. And he said, no big deal, don't worry about it. You can go for surgery, you're good, but we wanna send you for an MRI first. <laughs> so I said, okay. So um, as I'm waiting for the MRI, I'm coughing and I'm coughing and I'm coughing and it's so bad that it's kind of making me sick to my stomach. So anyways, I thought, well, I'm not connecting the two. And I thought, I'm going to go to the doctor. They'll give me something. I can get rid of this cough. And so I went to the doctor, and she said, you know what? You're probably, you know, it's kind of the last thing that goes is the cough. Don't worry about it. I'll send you for an x-ray. Sure, you're fine. Okay. So I went for the x-ray, and at the same time, I went for the MRI. And as they both came back, <laughs> then uh, the doctor was calling me and saying, well, it's a little more serious than we thought. <laughs> so they're throwing around the word leukemia, they're throwing around the word lymphoma, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> no, 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 that doesn't happen to me. That happens to other people, not me. So uh, anyways, I, uh, I had to go for some biopsies. I went for one on my sacrum, one on my lungs, and sure enough, it came back that I had lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I thought, at the time, I just thought, you know what, I have two choices here. <laughs> I can live in fear and this can beat me or I can stand up and I can put on the mantra and the mantra that I'm going to use is God, you are faithful. You are faithful in everything. So I said, okay. I wrote down big letters, posted it on my fridge. I will believe the report of the Lord. I will believe what God says. I don't care what the doctors say because they're not God <laughs> and they, they can do their best, but God is He's healer. So that's what I put on my fridge so that I would see it every day. So um, I went for some more pet tests. I got referred to the cross cancer in Edmonton. I went for some pet tests and the doctor came in and there was my husband and I there and she said, you are full of disease. She said, it is in your lungs, it's in your liver, it's in your spleen, and it's in your skeleton. And as she was saying that, I was thinking, God, I should be scared right now. I should be worried but you've given me such a peace that passes, surpasses my understanding. I don't even know why I'm not scared. I just am not scared and I thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. So um, anyways, <laughs> I, uh, 
I started, they said, okay, you need treatments and this is what your treatment's gonna look like. You're gonna go for 12 chemos and those chemos consist of four drugs and those four drugs, by the way, you know, are really toxic for your lungs and, you know, can cause long time damage and then there's another drug that you're gonna be getting and it can cause a lot of damage to your veins and you might have to go for physiotherapy. And in my head, I was hearing it, but I'm not believing it. I'm not claiming it. And I won't even say, like if you ask me, I won't even say, I have. I say, Hodgkin's lymphoma is attacking my body. But I am not going to proclaim it. I am not going to receive it. I'm not going to. So <laughs> that was kind of my journey. So in that journey, it's amazing. What the enemy chooses to use for bad, God turns it around. He knew my heart at the beginning of January. <laughs> he knew, you know, what my prayer had been. And so in that, God has just given me so many words. I'd be in worship and God would say, one time, Nadine, what would you like? And I said, God, I don't want to do chemo. This was before I started. And he said, you can drink poison and it will not harm you. <laughs> one word from God, do I worry about my lungs? No. Do I worry about my veins? No. Because God told me, I can drink poison, it will not harm me. <laughs> the other thing was, um, I, from birth, pretty much, I, it's a struggle, an anxiety struggle I have. And I would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and be anxious. And it's just amazing to me that God has taken me through this. And I haven't been anxious or fearful. So one day, <laughs> I woke up at 6 in the morning. And my first thought was, what if I'm that person who gets, like, cancer all the time? And as soon as I thought it, my next thought was rebuke that and speak truth into it. So I rebuked it, and I went to speak truth in it. And it was just like, I couldn't think of one thing. It was like, bzzz. And I thought, well, that's weird. So then I thought, get up, Nadine. So I got up, and I got into the Word, and I turned to Exodus 14. And it's where um, the Red Sea is b before them. The Egyptians are behind them. They're going through, and the Israelites are terrified. This is before us. They're catching us. They're terrified. And God spoke to Moses, and he said, Moses, tell your people, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. And for me, it was the cancer you see today, Nadine, you will never see it again. Praise Jesus. So as I'm walking through this, God's just giving me so many just things, but in the natural too, I was saying to my mom, I thought, you know what, like from day one of chemo, my freezer has been full. People keep coming to our house and bringing meals and, and I'm just like, God, like I don't even like to cook. I, I hate cooking. So for me, that was huge. It was like, wow, I don't have to cook for like four months <laughs> and it's right here. So there was that and, you know, people are sending texts all the time and just encouraging me and we went on, somebody paid for a relaxing trip, we went on a spa weekend and it's just been, God has just lavished me with his love and as it's not only in the natural but in the spiritual and I just feel like, God, I get it. I now get what your love is all about. I am so thankful for your love. I'm so thankful for this journey. I'm thankful that God, just like James wrote, trials have joy in them, have joy in the trials. And you know what? They produce um, perseverance and character, godly character. And you know what? At the end of the day, what do I care about? I care about my king and I care about his kingdom. Nothing else matters. <laughs> Thank you.
So proud of her. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with something. Maybe you're here and it's just like, God, I don't get it. God wants you to know that you're his. You're his people. He's got your back. God wants you to know that he is crazy about you. He loves you. That you're a priest, a chosen person. That everything that in heaven and earth has been given to us because of the authority that we have. And the last thing that I see here, there's four you are's and a you have. You have received God's mercy. So these two little verses, we have four identity phrases with the Lord saying you are. But I want to really focus now on the you have. We have received God's mercy. I think sometimes we mix up mercy and grace. While the term has similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same. To summarize the difference, mercy is God's not punishing us for the sins that we deserve. And grace is God's blessing despite the fact that we do not deserve it. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. And grace is extending kindness to the unworthy. I've walked with some people through poor choices who have sat in that place of believing that God is pouring out judgment due to sin. This morning, if that's you, I want you to stop and really focus on this scripture. Romans 8, chapter 1. We've been talking about it over the past few weeks and it says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Take that. Relish in it. Know that God is crazy about you. Jesus paid it all for you. In fact, Ephesians 1, 7 to 10, and I, I took this from the message version because when I read it in the message version, it blew me away. And I, I just want you to really listen this morning. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, but abundantly free. He thought of everything. He provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet earth. Isn't that amazing? That is one of the most powerful statements I have ever heard. And I hope you get that. If you didn't, again, it's Ephesians 1, 7 to 10, the message version. Study it. Because you have received God's mercy. Perhaps you're here this morning. And Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you realize that somewhere along the line, you've lost your identity. You lost your identity in Christ. Somewhere along the line, your focus has shifted from Him to whatever. 
I believe the Lord this morning wants us to bring a realignment to our spirits where our eyes are focused solely on the authentic, on Jesus Christ himself. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with the, me this morning? Lord, I just ask that today, Lord, we would be able to walk out of here knowing who we are in Christ. That God, if we can just catch that, our lives will never be the same again in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, as you're just here, you're speaking into our hearts right now and saying, son, daughter, an alignment needs to be made. Something needs to switch where all of a sudden your focus is off of whatever and brought back to me. And if the Lord is speaking to you this morning saying, that's you, I just ask you, would you have the courage this morning to stand to your feet as a symbol of saying, God, today I want to stand before you and I want to adjust my heart and refocus it on you, God. So if that's you, stand to your feet this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.